So hi everybody, welcome to tonight's episode of Heal With The Real podcast. I do Heal With The Real podcast because I want to raise awareness for other women or victims because men are also victims too of domestic abuse. Um, for just to raise awareness for others really in case they're struggling in life and they may need um, some support or some tips on, on how to move through that cycle of abuse and trauma that is often affected after you know you've been a victim of domestic abuse and I wrote and published my book Fix Your Future in July 2021 and in the back of there is all the health uh, help techniques that I self-help techniques that I personally use to move forward through the trauma and abuse um and yeah so that's that's my book and this is really the reason why I do the podcast heal with the real because I'm just passionate about um supporting other survivors and tonight I've got an amazing guest Alice Smith and I'm just going to read a little bit of your bio so you had eight years of arduous recovery from serious economic and domestic abuse, and you've toured four successful stage shows um, about the experiences of PTSD. And you, as an English teacher of 20 years and a mother of two sons, Alice decided not to give up just yet and formed Goddess Education to bring awareness to domestic abuse and survivor mental health. So Thank you so much for coming on Heal With The Real tonight. Do you want to just say a little bit about yourself? And I understand that you want to do a little poem at the beginning. So I'm going to hand over to you, Alice. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, and in that introduction, hopefully you laughed uh, when you were listening, uh, viewers, listeners, because it is important not to give up, isn't it? And um, this is something that I've had to remind myself of. So, yeah, you mentioned eight years. It, it's been eight years now. So I thought when I started, maybe some of you are right at the start. You might think, oh, it's not going to take long. But actually, it takes a long time to recover. And it's a lot of hard work. I'm just going to start with that because um, I have found it hard work to get my own mental health strategies. That book looks great. I'm going to buy it. Um, because I think anybody who's just helping like that, like you are, and just giving us the techniques and strategies, we need a lot, don't we, when we um, when we come out of it. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I found it harder when I was coming out of it than when I was in it. But maybe we can return to that later. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because the skills aren't there. So it, your book looks great. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to start with a poem. So when I um, first came out of this uh, relationship in 2015, I, I can't believe it now, but for some reason I ended up doing stage shows, four of them and touring them. I went to different countries as well. And um, I wasn't very well actually while I was doing that, I realize now, but anyway, I've done it. Um, so at the time it was it was something that I was doing just acting out my trauma, I suppose, literally, um, to audiences. So I wanted to start with this first one, We Survive. So I think it's a little bit of an anthem, Amanda, because I've done it in, um, I did it at a vigil in Chester a year ago. That's the last time I performed. And I've done it in different events. And it, it's, before I started, I just wanted to say that if you're listening or watching, you might hear the different things that happened to me within it. So it was written in real time as, I was facing the repossession of my house and uh, job loss and lost my mental health. I lost it all to get out of the um, relationship. And I think you'll be able to hear it in there. So um, in said that. Yeah. Okay. So it's called We Survive. We walk with bullet holes in our back, but we survive. And we don't wear envy yet but we drink sugared tea to forget and we survive we're no longer welcome on our own doormat splattered with bills and we carry a half light that disturbs and chills we are branded with some invisible debilitation but we survive we march for the bus in worn out shoes 
And sometimes we lose, but we survive. And those bailiff's love letters are the price we pay for our freedom. We're hungry now, but hungrier to be free. And we're often beaten, shamed, but we survive untamed. We don't look right. Holes in tights, hairbrush fights, dark rooted, unsuited to your open plan plan. But we survive. We sit and bow our heads over coffee. We're too knee jerk to fit comfortably over cake and we can't fit in with the fake, but we survive. Now we leave through windows. When you're waiting for the train, we want to jump. We want to take life and smack it in the face, bend it back into place. But we can't handle life the way you can with your sure and steady hands. We are handstands, but we survive. You survived, married, smiled, stockpiled, your life's back on track. We're good at starting again and again, but we never finish any. That's it. Wow. <laughs> that was incredible. That was so brilliant. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Thank you. I feel it. I when I performed it because I don't perform as much now because it takes a lot of emotional um, capacity. And when I when I was practicing it then for you, I just uh, earlier on when I was sweeping the floor of my kitchen, I thought, um, wow, this is just everything I felt because I was walking uh, for the bus I didn't have enough money for the bus my shoes were the I had these boots on I couldn't afford to have them fixed and um, had bailiffs the bailiffs coming in and all the letters on the on the doormat and then I went to the friends that I used to have and that comfortably sitting comfortably over cake I, I couldn't join in with their conversations anymore and I was just remembering it and I went to this out to the same friends. I don't know if this happened to you. And it was like, I, I couldn't, I didn't have anything to say because my story was so awful that yeah. I, it would have killed the conversation. So when I say now we leave through windows, I just used to dissociate out of the window, you know, just look out because, and there's another bit in there um, about with, we don't look right. So I went back into supply teaching and I wouldn't, I didn't look neat anymore. I didn't look tidy. My whole, my tights were ripped, my hair, I couldn't afford to bleach my hair. And I just was out in this world, just didn't look right, had people look at me like, oh. And um, that was what I meant by uh, branded because I felt, and I still do to a certain extent, that after trauma and after abuse, we're so different that it takes us such a long time to reconnect with the world and to feel okay because I don't know whether it was just me but I just feel so different now yeah I think you're so right you know for me personally I didn't know I was holding on to a lot of trauma for many years until it kind of came out um, more recently in lockdown and that was just because I was in a relationship that wasn't abusive in a way but it was narcissistic and it kind of then brought out all this trauma that I'd not known I'd held on to. So I think it does take many years, many years. And, you know, for some, they are still holding on to that unknowingly. Um, you know, because I believe that a lot of the domestic abuse can cause PTSD in many, many women. And then they are unaware of that. I don't yes know. yeah that's what happened to me I I did I still have PTSD and again like I said at the start I thought oh this is going to go this this is going to go when I get better yeah. um but I'm living I'm living with it and I it's only now after eight years I've realized I'll always have to live with it and I don't know if other people listening or watching are nodding their head but I feel like it's a toddler at the table so obviously I've had kids 
And, you know, they're embarrassing sometimes, aren't they, when they're young and you put them at the table at a pub or something and they do that thing where they throw the food or they, they go underneath or they scream <laughs> and you're desperately trying to like be okay in this event. And I feel like my trauma's like that. So I've lost count of the many, the times that I've been for meals. Even last Christmas, I went for a meal. and uh, I just say the wrong thing because because my story and my life doesn't fit in polite circles. And so it's, it's um, for me, it's about working out how we can reconnect yeah. in mainstream society as survivors of domestic abuse and as people who are carrying trauma, carrying stories. So for instance, it, I could be triggered at any point. So, and, and if I'm triggered, I'll get angry and people might say I'm being rude. Yeah. But the more I learn about trauma, the more I think, no, I've just been triggered by mainstream society. So, yeah, I, I think that we are walking around with PTSD. And as you said earlier on, it's men as well as women. Um, and it's about it's about getting access to help, isn't it, really? Yeah. And I think you're right. It doesn't go away. It never goes away. But we learn to, how to deal with it in a better way. Um yeah. And for any trauma, they it doesn't go away. It's your past, you know, it, it is part of your past. But we just learn to have an array of tools that can help us to just move through that day by day. And we just take some days is going to be good. Some days are going to be bad days. But we just got to know when those bad days come. We've got this arsenal of tools that we can use, you know. How far back do we go with you, Alice? Um where does your story begin? Childhood, but I'm not going into that now. <laughs> but, uh, okay. uh, yeah, child, childhood. But again, you know, hopefully I'm just saying that because I'm wanting to relate to people. And, I, you know, again, if you if you go in, if you go into any amount of counselling and therapy, which I have, you end up back at childhood. And one of the I've written um, a recovery programme called 361 Recovery. Uh, hopefully I'll tell you about later but um it's it's not for everyone because it is asking us to face our part in the abuse so don't switch me off yet <laughs> hear me out so um a lot of people will say I've I keep attracting the same type of horrible people and I was that person you know sort of in this cycle a 360 if you like and I came up with this idea of 361, the one step out of the 360. The 360 is different for everyone. Yeah. And I had to face like my part in, because nobody actually forced me to marry that person. No one, no one forced me to, to actually go along with it. Having said that, there was an element of me being prey, but I was prey because I was emotionally immature and I didn't have the emotional skills and that goes back to childhood mm. so from please don't get me wrong you know I'm not saying it's it's our fault but I am saying uh, for me taking accountability and having a look back has um, made me realize how I got myself into these situations mm. and for a lot of people myself included it starts off with a narcissist and it might be a boyfriend or a girlfriend and it's just a bit nasty and it can end up like the relationship I had which is just horrendous and each time when I look back the relationships were getting worse and worse and worse and I was choosing them so yeah. I believe that we choose them we, we choose those people but as I say I think it for me it's because I didn't have the emotional education or the emotional skills um, and so I find myself having to um, pick them up now. Things like boundaries, uh, consent is something that I don't really understand that much. Uh, different things like that, that um, expressing yourself, uh, naming your emotions. You know, if you've yeah. had childhood trauma, you, you can't really name your emotions. All these different things. Uh, so I put them into this recovery program. So for the, I call it a gift from survivor to survivor. It's a 12 week program. Uh, you can, you can work through it yourself. And it's got, it's got everything that I had to teach myself or I learned the hard way in there. 
So I'm hoping it might shortcut recovery for some people. Um, and I love the name 361. I love the, the extra one to get out of the 360. It's genius. And I think so, it, you know, you're so right about emotional awareness because as a young person, I was the same, you know, I didn't have any emotional awareness and I gone out of a marriage of 10 years straight into another relationship without even giving myself any time to sit with being single or, you know, find me. Um, and I think it's so important, emotional awareness and, you know, even teaching young women or young people about being emotionally aware is super important yeah it's like the holy grail isn't it and yeah. you mentioned you mentioned that I the the relationship I had I was 21 days single when I went when I went into this one which became a marriage within a year I'm laughing nervously <laughs> but um I can't talk about it without laughing hysterically um but you know th this person was a predator don't get me wrong and they were a person that you know you wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley but there was me as prey as well um and it's oh i've disappeared sorry okay don't worry um yeah it's it's about um i mean things like consent and stuff if you've not been taught i think i don't know whether i'm just thinking about our generation you know because some of the things that young people learn now are great aren't they and that they talk yeah. about but I was thinking this week I don't know whether this was a generation thing of powering through I used to be so I was taught to sort of power through everything um and uh, you know the female equivalent of man up and so a lot of the things that we talk about now that the language wasn't there for us then I don't feel no no and we are told to just get on with it, you know, when we're younger and not feel our emotions. And, you know, like you said earlier, it is super important to be able to sit with those emotions when when they come up for whatever reason um, and, and learn to understand why they're coming up in that particular moment it is super important as well. Yeah, we're talking about like advanced level recovery now, really, aren't we? Like if, if somebody's watching and they're just at the start, they'll be like, oh, God pour me another gin and tonic and can't do it you know so so what I did as well is I overdrank and I drank and I was an alcoholic basically in, in every any shape or form you, that you mention it because I just realized this in um so I wasn't kidding when I said I ran away to the sea I did run away to the sea to get away from all my performing and all the thing that had formed around it so within two years because it was very popular and successful it had formed a a merry band of people around me that were encouraging me to do worse and worse things and within that I was drinking a lot so um when you were saying sitting with emotions I would do anything so I didn't have to sit with emotions yeah. so I drank a lot and I was promiscuous those two things now I've come to understand that that's really common so if anyone uh, listings doing it don't feel bad about it it's like it's both apparently really common but like a lot of things you don't know it's really common when you're in it you're just doing yeah. it aren't you yeah and then uh became sober in 2018 so that's like six years now which I'm really pleased about and doing that and also became single I suppose so I've been single and sober since then amazing since 2018 amazing. um and I'm not suggesting everybody do that, but I am saying that it's a massive breakthrough. And that's when I wrote the 361 because it just was, I had loads more time. Now, before then, and I understand if anyone's watching the thing, no thanks. I could not be on my own for like a minute. I had to be like around some random guy's house or if not be totally drunk. So I couldn't, I couldn't face and sit with those emotions, quite frankly. So I understand it if you can't, but how did I get there? Well, like sobriety and then um, some really good counselling as well. Yeah. And, and you're right with addictions, you know, it can be not just alcohol, it could be any addiction, it can be food, you know, you just go 
with these these emotions that you want to cover up so badly then you get this blanket of of you you know you use some kind of addiction it could be drugs it could be alcohol it could be food you know it could be all these sex it could be all these kind of addictions that you use to cover up how you're really feeling underneath and it's not until you allow the feeling of those emotions and then go look inward that you realize that it, it actually you're the per, you're the you're the problem <laughs> well yeah I suppose so but god I hope no one comes away thinking that like because I was here's here's my defense if you're doing it and I was doing it at that point like they would have overwhelmed me if I'd have had all those then like if someone's trying to kill me and all this kind of stuff and all sorts of other things are going on then I can't deal with that can I so I'm going to block that out by which in whichever way I see fit there were they weren't healthy ways to do it though so I know that you like journaling Amanda and I I would say that the writing saved me so yeah. so what I used to do is I used to just write all day poems like that I did about 500 and then I started performing them the fact that it grew legs and became a bit too big for me and re-traumatized me is is on me isn't it but the the original idea was great to just journal and um I'm a great believer in that that writing and journaling so some of those poems I look back and they're so dark but obviously it was a way of it was actually a healthy way of getting it out yeah have you made a book with all your poems um I, I give a sort of give them they they have to be heard as you heard at the start they they're like they have to be heard so I've put them onto podcasts and okay. what I've tried to do is uh I've got I've got a poem in each of the sections of the 361 so there's 12 poems like they were the best ones that you could read yeah but obviously a lot of them are supposed to be heard so uh we've got this podcast called 361 recovery we did a group of us and within there there's some poetry but there's also the recovery program for free on there you can just listen to it and then what I did is I intertwined the poems in because to me, the poems are sort of, um, I don't know whether I would say educational or what, you know, in a way they are because they are like, people will go, oh my God, I only, I thought it was only me that felt like that. So I'd, I'd rather use them like that than yeah. sell them in a book. Okay. So how did you become do you think you've become more self-aware now and 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 if you do how did you yeah because I, I didn't have any self-awareness so I keep looking back and cringing all the things I've said and done during that period at the start when I went crazy as I would call it so yeah I think um it it was it's a long it's been a long road, you know, all the performing and everything else really helped, all the writing. Um, I went through an angry activist phase where I did Dead Woman's Walking Through Manchester. I've got a great quote from that, you know, the walk through Manchester, the Christmas shoppers, reading out the names of the women who died. This, this couple come up and went, this isn't very Christmassy, is it? <laughs> like, I was thinking it actually is because more people die at Christmas but yeah so all the different activism I did trying to get it all out of my system um and then um writing the 361 recovery helped me we we um in lockdown we ran it for free for for people so actually helping other people so from that that ends with a kind of recon how are you going to reconnect with society so it it some people went on to do podcasts uh, some people went on to start their own groups to help people. So the basic belief is survivorship is a legacy. So if you've survived, it's a legacy, like go out and help other people. Like once you've got to a certain stage at the start, you can't help anyone. But when you get to a certain stage, and I know you do this, this is why we're talking now, isn't it? Go out and help other people. It's like a legacy. It's like, what are you going to leave? for yeah. the people so it either doesn't happen to them or you, you can help them recover so all of those things I would say and then uh, different things like um, tackling forgiveness and uh, other thorny issues again through the podcast through the writing through the group 
um because forgiveness comes up in the program and when we were meeting in lockdown it was a big thing and we realized it's not a one-size-fits-all so I don't know how you feel about forgiveness but the group decided that there are some things you can't forgive I think it's super powerful to forgive not forgive the abuser but forgive yourself for what you know you've put yourself through um that I think it's super important and, and the writing definitely you know for me it, it I think writing or journaling is is a page dump because you're just getting all these thoughts and feelings out onto paper. And, you know, even if you're not feeling great, you can write down, right, why am I not feeling great? What is it that's coming up for me now? And just getting it out. And for me, definitely writing the book, you know, going right back to my childhood and really breaking down my whole life. Just understanding these little segments as they're going through my life. Wow. Okay. So now I know why I was like that. Now I know why I was like that. And it kind of just opened this, not floodgate, but it opened up my understanding um, and, and for me to move on and let go. Because I think that's such an important part, isn't it? Of letting go of, for if, for if you're always living in that past, you can't move forward, you can't evolve. So I think letting go and forgiveness are super important parts of that. Yeah, it, they're so hard, I think. They're so difficult. Yeah. And I think the whole of the whole of this thing that we're talking about is loss. So like you lose, um, I just feel very sad that I lost that person I was because that person I was was very, um, it makes me feel sad now, you know, they were, um a certain type of person that was great and they got broken based that part of it was broken part of it was stolen like the trust element you know and I don't I don't really trust people now like these so I miss and I that's one of the emotions that I think is common hopefully other people feel that there's a loss of what you had I miss this more than obviously losing my house economically you know it's ma a massive blow but there's this other thing underneath that's um losing yourself losing your reputation when a smear campaign is started maybe some people this thing have had that the loss of your reputation it's so annoying isn't it because you know that you're not this person and it's being smeared all over the place uh, yeah. the loss of um uh, other family members say if you were you were a family person you had you were friends with all that other person's family the loss of all their friends um so yeah I, I think it's I do think it's a load of losses and then this loss of the illusion of happy ever after and um the loss if you were married the loss of that as well um I just think it can be quite overwhelming at times that loss but if you can name it, if you can see it like that, I think it does help. The, the cover of the book has got like my hands covered in ash. Because when I was leaving my house, I did this bonfire in the back garden. And it's got my hands covered in ash and then a butterfly in the ash. And I thought, that's it. It's the ashes of your life. You stand in the ashes of your life and then you rebuild. You become the butterfly. Yeah, maybe so, but there's something yeah. about acknowledging the loss. Like if you if you skip onto a new person, like we both admitted we've done, and uh, by the way, no judgment if people have done that. Y you skip out a stage, which is the loss, like the sitting with the loss. And who wants that? Who wants to do that? That doesn't sound like much fun, does it? But that's where that's where you can grow and change. But yeah, it's it's not <laughs> I don't know how I could sell it to people but I suppose I could by saying like I've changed so much from doing it so would you say that's part of the trauma bond in a way um in what way do you mean because often um when we've been with somebody that is abusive or narcissistic and and it's say, for example, the beginning of a relationship where it's all that love bombing and it's very quick to, um, you know, you all of a 
some people think this man's amazing because you're getting all this, I love you, or, I can't do enough for you, da, da, da. so it's building you up. It's nice. And then you <laughs> then suddenly get the real side of it, you know, the gaslighting, the, the, um, which you've met already mentioned, you know, the smear campaigns. And then it's like, hang on a minute, I, I, where's that guy? Where's that guy that was in the beginning? And then you're kind of trauma bonded because you're still wondering where that guy was that you first met. Did, was any of that, did, did that happen to you? Um, yeah, I think I had a pretty common experience, but like I say, I want to emphasize to people that we don't know we're in it when we're in it so there's probably people listening yeah. and watching that are in it and they don't know and that's okay because I didn't know I was in abuse when I was in abuse because my head was just completely stirred up and with so many mind games going on um yeah. but yeah the the if you're with a master manipulator then you do see that a nice side though you you know and it could be it's timed you don't realize this at the time suddenly when you look back isn't it like anything but you you get the horrible side but then you get the nice side so that keeps you doesn't it it keeps you on because just as you're thinking it's unbearable they go really nice and then you think it's you because you think you've imagined it all and then as yeah. soon as you can't trust your feet your instinct anymore they've got you I, f I feel like the the final straw in a relationship is if you betray yourself and I think an abuser will work towards that whether they use it your pets or your kids or your parents they'll work out what it would mean to betray yourself and then they'll try and get you to do it and I've got a theory that if you betray yourself you can't get out of it because I was starting yeah. to betray myself at the end so I think that's something to watch out for because because then they turn it back on you and go, what sort of person are you to have done that? And then you know that you've betrayed yourself and they've got you then, haven't they? They can keep yeah. turning it around on you. But it's so difficult to leave, isn't it? Uh, people will say, why did you stay? Well, you hear this question all the time and I feel like it's really rude and shame shaming. Why did you stay? So yeah. if anyone gets that next week, have a think about it because it's a shaming question. Don't answer it. Or... Oh, she, she, she must have done something for him to do that. You know, well, that that's one as well, you know. Is yeah. It? And who are you to make that judgment on others? I think you don't know until you don't know what goes on behind those closed doors. So I, I think it's so wrong to judge. Um, but we do. People do. Yeah. And I think the mainstream people want to ask us this question because they want to think that it could never happen to them and that you're the special breed of person that somehow it happened to. Because yeah. when I was teaching, I was in a staff room and I mentioned that I was getting my house repossessed. And it was like I'd said I was a child murderer or something. Like no one wanted to think that someone fairly normal like me, it could happen to. Like, oh no, that doesn't happen to people like us. And I think it's the same. Like, why did you stay? Like, I wouldn't have stayed. I, oh, right. Thanks for that. But I think a better question is, why did you leave? So if you have left, everyone, like, try and pinpoint why. And I'm willing to bet it comes down to you were nearly betraying yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So how do, where do you, how do you move through everything then? Where, where was your life when it really started to turn around for the better so you've done your 360 program or 361 um where what, what happens after that where are you now well the the way the one thing that helped me turn my life around the number one thing was being sober that was so on a beach march 29th 2018 that and i recommend that to anyone even if it's just for a short amount of time because it clears your mind and once I gave up drink, I realized, sorry, once I gave up men earlier than that, mm -hmm. I realized it wasn't men that was the problem. So I realized underneath the rock, so any addiction, you've got another one lurking underneath the rock, haven't you? And underneath it all was drink. Everyone else knew it about me, but I didn't know it. So that's that's where I turned around there. Um, but 
now I'm um it's been a long time since I've spoken about this I can't remember the last time I had an interview and I used to do these all the time so it feels quite strange because it's like what do I want to say now you know what do I want to say but I want to say to people that if you if you if you've listened to this or seen me and you've thought oh, look at her now like that like what I hated when I was first out of that relationship was people who just looked as if they had it all together and that they were saying that that was the end goal. And then if I bought something like a book or a ticket or something, I too could be them. So I suppose I want to say the reverse of that. Like there is no finish line in recovery, but there is definitely a way of finding you and in my opinion, that's taking a partner out of it for a while and it's taking drink out of it for a while. Um, and it's I know that's not possible for everyone, but there's, there needs to be some sort of gap from dating to look back and see your patterns. Because if you want to keep going on and say, well, it's the men, they always come up to me and they're always horrible, then I think that's only half the story, everyone. <laughs> so yeah. it's about, um, you know, being brave enough to face. So in 361, it's called Own Your Ugly. And you have a look at what your ugly side looks like. And only once when you've kind of, um, kind of met it, can you, can you, really carry on i mean i don't know whether you've ever done that amanda but it's part of it isn't it to look at your own stuff yeah yeah and understand where you're going wrong in in the situation it's so important and so when you're talking about alcohol um think alcohol or any addiction can lead to other things the yeah. wrong things in your life um, I gave up alcohol in January. It's the best thing I've ever done. Oh, I feel like congratulations. I didn't really drink a lot. I must say I wasn't a big drinker, but I just enjoy getting up on a morning and doing the things that I enjoy doing. And I hate wasting time or getting up with this hangover. And, and it's amazing. I love it best thing I've done like six months and I'm super proud and, oh uh, that's fantastic well done yeah um I just woke up in January and it, and it wasn't a new year's resolution thing or anything like that it was just like I don't need to drink I don't want to drink and I've been out quite a few times without you know to weddings and and out with friends and I've not not drank so I'm, I'm super proud of that you should be um, that's brilliant it really clears your mind doesn't it I it mean really if somebody's watching and thinking oh I'm not doing that forever you don't have to do it forever just do it for a little bit and just try it um because that helps you like you say you, I wake up in the morning now and I, I had I, because I was drinking so much I found it hard, really hard for the first two years <laughs> because you got so much time I was like, oh, God, how am I going to fill all this time? Yeah. But of course, you fill it with yourself. And I don't mean in an indulgent way. I mean, things like the things, whatever you like, like I like swimming um, and, and, you know, setting up with I set up a not for profit called 361 Life Support in lockdown. You're not telling me that was because that was because I was sober. I needed something yeah. to do. <laughs> so yeah. lockdown was my most productive period ever. We did 25 podcasts. Uh, a 361 sober group the 361 recovery program twice and set up the whole thing and and I think that was literally because I wanted to stay sober so I think you can be really productive when you put your addiction on the shelf for a little while hugely and because you've got all this time normally yeah. be in bed with this hangover going oh <laughs> no I don't want to get up I didn't I like it at first I was like oh god what are we gonna do yeah I, do you know, I look at my past as um, something that is a superpower. I don't know if you look at that, but I, like I really that. look at my past as a superpower because I wouldn't have gone on to do the things that I've done had these things not happened to me in the past. So I feel blessed. I feel really blessed. To, I know this sounds mad and it might sound mad to people that are going through 
the trauma currently and still not coming out that other side. But I truly feel blessed because I wouldn't have gone on to do the things that I've done now and, and created the things that I'm creating currently. I, I just feel, I feel like it's a superpower. I love that. And I'm going to have that if that's OK. And yeah. Say it as well. I, I remember going to the solicitors and I used to go and throw up in the, in, in the solicitors in the toilet bowl. You see, and none of this did I know was PTSD. I just thought, oh, I'm sick every time we go to the solicitors. And then there was no other thought process. But as I was looking down that toilet bowl, I used to think, what will become of me? And um, in one of the plays, it was a big, it was a poem there. And it, people used to cry and go, oh, God, you know, because it was literally like a, I've broken up from someone. What will become of me type of type of question. So you mentioned there people going through it now. I think I think that's what it is. We you if you're there right now, you're probably thinking, what's going to become of me? Yeah. Uh, but now I prefer to give this question, like, what am I becoming? So I think yeah. I may write another poem that's less uh, brutally sad, which which actually says, oh, what, what could I become? But I know it's really difficult. You can't see forward. And that's what's so difficult, isn't it? Because let's get down to brass tacks. The person that you were, right, that you were sleeping with, you loved, whether you want to admit it now or not, you did at the time, and you... Um, you trusted is the one betraying you. And I think that's so bad for your mental health because you have to do a very quick divert, don't you? Because yeah. you've got you've got all these huge problems and they've caused them. And yet they were they were your mate, they were your friend, they were your mate for life. I mean, that's not going to be easy, is it? Is you have to give yourself, you just got to take it easy at the start. And, and, and something that you hit on just at the beginning of that conversation is the language that we use around ourselves. You know, just changing that language mm -hmm. is super important. You know, when we, we talk, you know, I, I can feel much, and I know when I'm doing it now, you know, if I'm, if I make a mistake, I used to go, oh, you silly cow or what, you know, whatever you used to, I used to call myself. And now I go, Oh, it's like, you know, it's the mass. Yeah, you've made a mistake. Just move on. Or just changing that language, that narrative around ourselves is super important. You know, for, for me, positive affirmations were something that was really important to do that in front of the mirror every day. I, you know, I am enough, giving myself a high five, smiling at myself. And it's so awkward at the beginning. <laughs> and when I first started doing that, I just used to look in the mirror and go, well, I don't, I don't like myself. So this is really <laughs> difficult. But if you, if you keep doing that, you're just turning that muscle in your head to actually you're all right and you then you start to believe in yourself again and it, it's it, you know it was one of the first things that I did in that, that move to self-love yeah it's powerful and I believe you've got uh, a poem well yeah th there's a little story behind this one to finish okay. um so there's a funny story here it'd be good if I could share the picture but I don't have it so I went to western supermare i went to live there um and I, that's where i got sober which is ironic because it's the rehab european rehab capital that i found out after um <laughs> but i just did it myself for free so but at the time when i wrote this i was still getting drunk so i went out on the beach and got really drunk and, and i was sitting there thinking oh god like is this ever going to get any better for me kind of thing um and then I passed out and then a police come to me to ask if I was all right. When I went to live there, no one ever, I never saw a policeman, by the way, in brackets. But yeah, they called the police because I was there like this. But that, that's a funny story behind the poem that it, it was it was my attempt. I don't know whether you've ever done this. It was my attempt to picture, like I was saying before, picture something that isn't there yet. Like, my life was hopeless. I was like about four months away from having no home with my two sons and three dogs, no, two dogs. And I just couldn't see a way out of this. The fact that I was getting drunk at a beach is just like, you know, that wasn't a, I don't know what I was doing there, but um, I couldn't see forward. So this poem was like me going, one day, this things are gonna be better. Honestly, they are. So. This is it. All right. 
I'll see if I can remember it. <laughs> okay, one day. One day you will count a thousand beautiful things and not stop at 13. What you have been, blame-faced, child, hated, will be less than what you can be. Beauty, power, understated. One day you will sit alone with sunshine for company and not look to the right for a shadow. You will be light to so many seeking the truth in flight. One day you will collect friends like shells instead of treading on them. Time spent really will be love spent. One day you will you will, <laughs> one day you will face the mirror, step back from the edge and belatedly embrace, not the crazy, but the free. This is that day. So that is, it gives me goosebumps because that was my 2016 self telling me that one day that would happen. And that is my life now, That it, it is my life. I do sit in sunshine a lot. So I want to say to anybody out there that's thinking, I can't see forward. There is a forward. There is something ahead. And it's really common to feel like there isn't anything. But you have to hold on. Don't give up. Hold on. And I'm not just bull-essing you because I have seen it myself. You have to sometimes believe it when it's not there. And that could be three o'clock in the morning you know you just have to dig in somehow and believe it and it will come to pass it's so important that you mentioned that because I meditate I, I meditate every morning 10 minutes before I get out of bed I have a morning routine set out and I do things in a row of what you know a certain certain things I do exercise meditation journaling before I even begin work but meditation is super important because I think for somebody who's going through trauma, 80% of the time we're in our heads thinking, 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 and it's just stopping, taking that deep breath and just being able to sit and sit in yourself and in that moment. And so 10 minutes before I even get out of bed, is super important for me to just focus on what my day is going to look like, what my goals ahead of me are going to look like. And I have, at the weekend, I was at um, the WOW Festival. It's a women's only wellness festival. It was incredible. And I delivered a couple of um, vision board workshops to um, a number of women. And they all put all these things out on their vision boards. It was incredible, really. And one woman went, well, I'm going to draw an arrow boat because I don't think I'm going to find one in the magazines as she was, you know, doing her vision board. And the next magazine she picked up, there was an arrow boat, which was just. And I love serendipitous moments like that because you really do manifest when you start to think about these goals in your life and where you want to go to you can manifest them into your reality. Obviously, you've got to do the actions as well. But, you know, I have ticked off, keep ticking off all these things on my vision board because, well, I have it as a screensaver on my phone and I look at it every day. Um, and it's just incredible just ticking off these goals as they go along, you know. And I think whatever you put in your mind, then you automatically go and do that in reality so I think that's super important what you said there you know yeah to... you you have to have leap you have leaps as well don't you like I I went to the sea I've always wanted to live by the sea and then I went away for a bit and then I've, I'm back now and it's beautiful it's like and I each time I thought I'll never get to that and it took a leap a bit of a leap of faith like going to a new place I've moved five times in six years and each time I haven't known the flat when I've gone into it you know that's like a leap it's like, oh, God, I don't know anyone. Here we are again. So it, it does take leaps. But, yeah, I, I think your vision board sound, sounds amazing. And 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 I'm, I'm never going to forget how it felt to to just be like these poems today have reminded me 
I'm never going to forget how maybe some people do feel right now. I'm never going to forget it. That absolute lack of of um, hope. But if you if if you keep on marching, even if your boots are broken, which mine were, they were broken for three years. <laughs> you know, you can you can get new ones eventually. Like you can. You, you don't have skills just out of trauma to be able to do it. Obviously, you've got to build like any muscle, any skill, like thing, like your book, all those skills. And mine is some more emotional, I think. You, you've got to set your mind to the fact that you're going to have to do the work on it. But look what can happen. You know, you, you can become somebody that your abuser wouldn't even recognize. Yeah. They walk past them on the street because they wouldn't even know it was you anymore. Wouldn't that be great? Ah, oh, and it, it, it's just that one step, one step forward every day. Keep taking those steps. You don't have to do the whole staircase. We're just doing one, one tiny step. Just keep on moving forward. And I think what you said about, you know, I didn't, I was going to go to the seaside and I didn't know anybody. It's like moving into that fear. Yeah, you didn't know anybody, but you went ahead and you did it, and you moved through that fear of oh god what if I don't make friends what if I don't you know and all that's going through your head but you did it anyway so it's it just... gets easier yeah because I've done it twice now so yeah. it's like it, it the the everything that you're being asked to do gets easier you know like I had to go to court maybe some of you are thinking about going to court the fact is you're never going to forget it but you you know it is going to get easier it's like all these difficult experiences we have to go through uh, you know, having to keep in contact with your abuser because you've got kids with them, things like that. Like, you know, there is support out there as well, isn't there? Yeah, there is support out there. You could, you can find it. Um, and people have done it before you as well. And so try and get talking to people who've already done it because that's the best thing, isn't it? it? Especially people who've been through abuse, like they get it. You don't have to spend your first half an hour explaining yourself. Yeah. Like why you stayed. You don't have to. They're never going to ask you that. I hate that question so much. Yeah, me too. Uh, do you know, Alice Smith, you've been an absolute pleasure to um, oh, thank you. my podcast. You really, really have. Is there any final words before we say goodbye to our listeners? Um, yeah, if you want to, if you want to find me, I'm at 361diamond.co.uk. Send me a message. And um, yeah, I'll leave you with this tagline that I came up with by sitting in lockdown, getting sober. I had I had some cravings, I'll tell you. Um, victim, survivor, what lies beyond? So if you're watching or listening, I want to ask you, what lies beyond? What is there? So beyond, beyond means you got the horizon, you can't see, can you? If you go to the seaside this summer, look at the sea. You can't, you can't see that Dublin's over there or whatever, but it is over there. Like whether you can see it or not, it is there. And that is your future. Whether you can see it or not, it's there. Thank you so much. And thank, thank you for the you. invite. And thank you for everybody that's listening. Um, I hope you got some tips and some hints or, you know, anything that could help you or support you. Thank you so much. Bye, Amanda.